Welcome to the Tally Room Podcast. I'm Ben Rowie. In today's episode, we'll be looking at the upcoming elections for the Tasmanian Legislative Council. My guest today is Tasmanian elections expert, Kevin Bonham. Kevin, hello. Hello, Ben. Today, we're talking about the annual election of seats in the Tasmanian Upper House. Tasmania's Legislative Council is unique in a number of ways. It's the only upper house in Australia elected by single-member electorates, and it also holds elections every year, with the whole council being refreshed over a six-year cycle. This year, there are two seats up for election, Huon in southwestern Tasmania and Rosevears to the northwest of Launceston in northern Tasmania. Kevin, what can you tell us about these two electorates? So Huon is uh, south of Hobart, and it's uh, mostly uh, uh, sort of small town, rural, forestry sort of seat with a little bit of suburbia uh, tucked in one corner. Um, Rosevears is, is uh, on the fringes of, of Launceston and includes a number of the Launceston suburbs and also uh, sort of small towns on the, uh, on the uh, outskirts of Launceston and up the Tamar Valley. Who currently holds these seats and where, where do they sit politically? Hewan has been held for one term by uh, Robert Armstrong, who is an independent but a, um, a quite conservative independent who uh, uh, nearly always uh, votes with the Liberal Party. In fact, I placed him to the, uh, to the right of the Liberal Party in my latest assessment, finding that he voted with them three-quarters of the time. Um, well, it's a bit more than that, really, because the votes that he uh, doesn't uh, vote with them on uh, tend not to be close. They tend to be votes that are sort of like 10-4 or something like that. And uh, so there's very few cases where his vote causes the government to lose anything. Right. So he's not a, he's a, he's not really a swing vote in the upper house. No, he's not a swing vote in the upper house. He's one of, he's, he's one of the two uh, very conservative independents in the upper house. Huon has a history of being a conservative seat, right? The previous member, Paul Harris, quit just before the last election in 2014 to run as a Liberal candidate for the lower house and did briefly serve as a state lower house MP and I believe a minister in the Liberal government. Um, so, And before that, the, heat, the seat was held by Hodgman related to the recently departed Premier. So it does have a history of being held by Conservatives, if not by uh, uh, big L Liberals. Yes, Hewan hasn't been held by the Labor Party since the uh, 1940s and it's generally, it's generally elected candidates who were conservative and sometimes had on-off associations with the Liberal Party. Um, it does have quite a high green vote in places. It has some sort of tree changer uh, suburbs along the um, along the channel that are, uh, some of them, the Greens will actually top these booths at state elections. There's a big forestry industry in Huon that you could probably argue that the, the people who don't vote Greens are quite anti-green. You know, it's not it's not the kind of seat where there's a decent Greens vote and then a lot of people who are kind of nonchalant about the Greens, right? Like there is a there's a large Greens vote, but there's also a very strong anti-green kind of forestry vote. That's quite right. And you get, it sort of varies through the electorate. You, the, the sort of Hewanville and, uh, and further south, there's quite a lot of that strong um, pro-forestry vote so that the uh, the Labor supporters tend to be uh, pro-forestry as well as the uh, Liberal supporters. And then you've got the, the Channel side, which is uh, much greener. And then in the middle, there's the Channel Signet, which is sort of split down the middle between these two elements. And Rosevears, which is in the sort of the greater Launceston area, is held by Kerry Finch, who's a more progressive independent. What can you tell us about him? So Kerry Finch has been there for uh, three terms, uh, 18 years. He's a former radio announcer. He's been uh, unbeatable in the seat. 
Uh, he's been quite left-leaning, not as much as some of the other uh, left-wing independents, but he's also been quite uh, forthright on some of the issues he does feel uh, uh, strongly about. Um, the, the seat, however, is conservative in terms of its lower house voting patterns. It votes very strongly for the Liberal Party, and, and um, it's a bit of a wasteland for uh, Labor and the Greens, with the exception of four inner city booths where the Greens do well. My understanding is Armstrong is running again and Finch is retiring. So wh- who is running in Rosevears? Let's start with Rosevears this time. Who's running in Rosevears and which of those candidates do you see as, as likely contenders to win the seat? So in Rosevears, you have the uh, unusual situation where uh, Liberal, Labor and Green are all running candidates. Uh, this almost never happens. Um, the Liberal candidate is Joe Palmer, who is a, a prominent uh, newsreader and uh, who is uh, widely expected to uh, win the seat because of her huge uh, profile and because the government seems to be travelling well at the moment. Um, there are three independents, and of those, the, the one most likely to be a threat is uh, Janie Finlay, who is a former uh, Launceston mayor and uh, long-time Launceston councillor whose politics are probably more similar to Kerry Finch's. Uh, the other two independents are Vivian Gale and David Fry. David Fry is a former uh, Liberal State MP who at the time I think could be fairly described as an ultra-conservative. In Huon, Armstrong is running again. And in addition to Armstrong, who who are his main opponents? Yeah, so... Uh, it, Armstrong doesn't have a Liberal opponent. The uh, the Liberal Party tends not to run candidates against incumbents who haven't annoyed it very much. Um, so Labor and the Greens are running. The Labor candidate is Bastian Seidel, a local doctor. Uh, the Green candidate is Pat Caruana, a staffer for uh, one of the Green senators. Um, there are also there's also a Shooters candidate, and there are two independents in the uh, typical Tasmanian fashion. Uh, one of them is the son of former member of uh, Paul Harris, and another one is Debbie Armstrong, who is a uh, relative of Robert Armstrong. A great niece, which is not a relationship you usually see amongst people competing for politics at the same time. Yes, I had to look up what that was, and I've now forgotten. Anyway, her her politics seem to be quite different. She would be the the daughter of his niece or nephew. So it's, it's probably worth zooming out a little bit to explain the peculiar dynamics of the party system for... Uh, Tasmanian upper house elections. Throughout the entire history of the upper house, it's always been majority of seats held by independents, usually quite a large majority. There's usually been a handful of Liberal and Labor members of the upper house, but they've always been a minority. And it does appear that particularly when independents win, the electorate doesn't necessarily relate that closely to the ideology of the MP. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Finch is a good example of that. He's he's uh, um, comfortably held this seat despite it voting strongly Liberal at uh, at state elections. And the uh, Liberals at the previous election had a go at blasting Finch out by basically saying, "Look at his voting record. This guy is basically Labor plus the Greens. You know why why are you why are you people voting for him?" And the voters ignore that and vote him back in anyway. So it's like voters often in the upper house tend to go with uh, names they know and trust. And uh, voters who will voters who will not vote for Labor or the Greens in a fit will uh, still vote for left wing independents. I mean, there's an element of that which is which is similar to what you see in kind of 
urban conservative electorates in Sydney where you might see a relatively progressive independent win when Labor or Greens can, they would have no chance. But I know it is a different dynamic. So we may see what, who's effectively a centre-left independent replaced by a Liberal. That doesn't necessarily tell us that there's a general conservative swing happening. That may just say more about the dynamics of a retiring MP and an, and an open seat being created in, a, in an area that tends to lean conservative, right? Yes, that's basically it. It's not predictable that the same or political orientation will go on uh, winning these seats. It's often uh, more about profile and uh, who's got a foot in the door. So we have seen a trend in recent years where the number of independents in the council has been dropping. There are 15 seats in the council. Uh, there used to be 19 until the late 90s when it was reduced in size. There are now only nine independents out of 15, and there are six members of party. So there are four Labor and two Liberals. That's the lowest number of independents there ever has been in the upper house. And if you look at it as a percentage, it's at, it's actually now the lowest percentage as well. Uh, in the early 50s, we're in a sort of similar position proportionally, but the independent numbers are even lower now than they were then. So... If, if the Liberals do win Rosevears, that will mean that we will have uh, eight independents and seven members of political parties and Labor and Liberal will both be in a relatively strong position at the same time. Are we seeing a long-term trend and are there particular kinds of seats that are flipping or is it often just about the peculiarities of a particular seat in a particular year? I think it's partly that the Liberal Party has got more interested in formally contesting these seats whereas uh, in the the old days uh, they used to tend to sort of have their members run as independents and there were there were a lot of uh, legislative council independents um, going back 20 years or so who were famously closet liberals or uh, clearly well to the right of the Liberal Party. Uh, now it's more common to see the party run branded candidates and so we're seeing more more liberals in at the moment, but I also sense that the the general uh, preference for independence over uh, parties is weakening to a degree. Perhaps it's because the the campaigns are tending to attract more attention, more mainstream media media discussion than they than they used to. Um, that may be having something to do with it. And do we know? Are there more likely to be party members representing like urban electorates than rural electorates? The area where Labor has had the most success is clustered around uh, urban Hobart. Uh, that's always been their, their strong area in terms of uh, winning uh, legislative council seats, and they've got they've got four that are sort of clustered around Hobart now. Am I right to think that the seat of Hobart is still held by an independent though? The seat of Hobart itself is a very left wing seat, and uh, is currently held by independent uh, Rob Valentine. And this this is a seat that's sort of the the, the most left wing half of the federal seat of, of Clark. So this is this is the people who uh, who elect Andrew Wilkie with huge votes. So the Liberal government, what is its current relationship with the upper house and how that how might that change with these results? Well, the Liberal government has a very uh, difficult time in the in the current upper house because it has four Labor MPs, one of whom is the, now the president, and uh, five independents who are uh, left leaning, quite most of them quite strongly. And so on the sort of the big picture culture war kinds of issues, it tends to just lose the vote. It needs 
usually a couple of them to so-called cross the floor, a couple of independents to vote with it or um, or one to be away and one to vote with it. So it's difficult for it to get some things that it would like to get through through things like um, mandatory sentencing and so on. So the Liberal government has a shaky hold on the lower house as well. They had a very difficult time early in this term because their speaker, Sue Hickey, was uh, voting against them a lot. And so she basically held the balance of power by, by herself. If she voted with Labor and the Greens, then Labor and the Greens won the day. And this resulted in uh, things like uh, gender birth certificate reforms passing both houses against the will of government. Um, but then... Madeleine Ogilvie, um, a former Labor MP, was elected on a recount, started sitting as an independent and started voting with the government. And she now she votes with the government most of the time. So their position now is more stable than it was at the start of the term. The most likely outcome in Rosevears appears to be that Liberal will win. That's not guaranteed by any means, but that does seem quite likely. Um Will that one extra seat make much of a difference to their position in the upper house? Well, if they got one extra seat, that would be nice for them because it would still mean that they'd lose on issues where Labor and all the left-wing independents voted uh, against them. But it would give them more scope to um, to survive votes where somebody had a, had a difference of opinion. The the, the left leaning independents they're not they, they don't vote as a block. They just tend to vote with with Labor and they tend to vote against the government. But but they make up their own minds and uh, on on different issues, one or more of them might agree with the government. So it would it would help, but it wouldn't uh, uh, change the fundamental situation of it being a uh, a generally difficult upper house. Are the seats that are coming down the pipeline next year any more likely to change the balance in a particular way? Next year's slate is Derwent, Mersey and Windermere. So you have Derwent held by Labor, a rock-solid safe Labor seat. Uh, Mersey held by the left-leaning independent Mike Gaffney, Windermere held by the very conservative independent Ivan Dean, who's uh, uh, widely expected to retire, and uh, that's, that is a seat that can be quite close between the left and the right, so that might be the that might be an interesting one. And that's like a Launceston area seat? Yes, it's sort of the northern suburbs of Launceston. It's got a lot of um, a lot of the, the sort of the working class outskirts of Launceston in it, and some of the hinterland. So that could be an opportunity for the progressive side of politics to to make a gain there. Yeah, I think that they'll be trying to to see if they can um, pick up that one. Um, Dean has generally not won it very comfortably. He sort of tends to win about fifty five, forty five or so. Tasmanian upper house elections are normally held in early May. This election is being held on the 1st of August. It was delayed uh, originally for a few weeks and then indefinitely because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Do you see any dynamics being changed by the election date being delayed? Uh, it's been stop-start because everyone was sort of ready to run in uh, in May and then the election was put on ice for a while and then it was back. But I, I don't think it's really um, affected anything much. No, it hasn't made any change to the lineups of candidates that are running. Before we wrap up, there has been some rumours about a possible early election in Tasmania. Tasmania, I believe, is the only state now that doesn't have fixed terms, although the last few elections have very predictably happened in March every four years 
And if you follow that schedule, the next election would be due in March 2022. Um, I believe some of that is linked up with the popularity of Peter Gutwin, who's their Liberal Premier. The state's generally done pretty well with the COVID-19 pandemic, at least since the Burning Hospital um, debacle has passed by. What's your take on, on that situation? Yes, so Gutwin at the moment, Premier Gutwin is phenomenally uh, popular from the small samples taken by by news poll, um, and the, so there's some sort of feeling that the, the some people say that they think that the government should uh, go to an early election and uh, see if it can uh, increase its majority. Uh, that said. This is a difficult thing to do under the Hare Clark system. Even if you uh, even if you win fifty percent of the primary vote, uh, as they did last time, that still doesn't guarantee you a uh, a large majority. So it's it's and you, you take the risk that if things go if things go badly, you might lose your majority and even uh, even end up with another uh, Labor Green government. Um, so even if you bowl quite well, you can you, know, you can bowl forty seven percent and still lose your majority. So it's it's a tricky. Tricky decision to uh, to make. The argument the government would would push would probably be um, we're seeking a mandate to do such and such, and they'd come out with some big list of massive infrastructure plans, and they'd say we're also seeking a stable parliament, and we want to send a message to the to the upper house that we have a mandate and uh, this sort of this sort of stuff. But I mean, I think if if you um, you know if you say oh we're seeking a mandate for our new premier, the, the response will be oh he doesn't need one. Everyone um, you know he's, he's very popular. So that's about it for this episode of the Tallyman Podcast. Thank you, Kevin, for joining me. Very welcome. You can find this podcast on your podcast app of choice. If you like the show, please consider rating or reviewing us on iTunes. You can follow the Tally Room on Twitter at the Tally Room or like us on Facebook. Information about this podcast is available at www.tallyroom.com.au, and you can email questions or feedback to the Tally Room at gmail.com. Thanks to Christopher for writing the music you hear in this episode. Once again, thanks for listening.